0: for gospel glory and so Lord I do pray that what we are not yet you would use this time to fix each of us in this room have a part of us that is still in the here and now broken but God you make broken things beautiful for the fame and the glory of your name you do these things and it is in that majestic name of Jesus Christ we pray and all God's people said amen Amen. please have a or no don't have a seat remain standing for the reading of the word
1: For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in his speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and in the birds and the four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over to their lusts of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, for this, for who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to discre- degrading passions. For their woman exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural, and in the same way also the men abandoned their natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which is not proper, being fulfilled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, their gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding untrustworthy invol- unloving unmerciful and although they know the ordinance of god that those who practice such things are worthy of death they not only do the same but also give hearty approval to those who practice them romans 1:18 through 32
0: thank you dear what great news catherine thank you <laughs> you may be seated it's not your fault catherine it's god's word but here is the here is the good news, guys. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. To the Jew first, and then also to the Gentile. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. For as it is written, the one who is made righteous by faith shall live. That was where we were last week. You remember um, Greek scholar Kevin Wiest put it this way. For I am not ashamed of the good news, for God's power it is, resulting in salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the nations. For God's righteousness in it is being revealed on the principle of faith to give faith, even as it stands written, and the one who is just on the principle of faith shall live. And if you remember my rather long and detailed breakdown of just those two verses, Um, I'm going to just review them quickly so we can hang on to the good news as we look at what Catherine just read for us this morning in the rest of Romans 1. So there were four fours in those two verses of verse 16 and 17. The first one says, for I am not ashamed of the euangelion. That's the Greek word for gospel, the good news. I'm not ashamed of the euangelion, for it is the dunamis of God for soteria. The dunamis, remember there were six words that Paul could have used to talk about it. Is the power of God. And the Holy Spirit inspires him to choose that one because it's describing power based on the nature of the thing it's made of. So he's saying the gospel has power because of what the gospel is. Not because of what we make it. And it's the power to do what? It's the power to soteria, to save. And we are saved, sanctified, set apart. We are being saved. We are being sanctified. And we will be saved when he comes again. And that's what that word means. And then he goes on and he says, to everyone who pastuos, that puts their trust in. It's the word that's often translated faith, belief, trust in the Bible. So the gospel is the power of God to all who believe. And then he says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It was Paul's way of saying to all people in all time. This has only ever been God's plan. There was not a plan A and a plan B and and then it turned into a plan C for Jesus Christ. There's only ever been one plan. And it is the good news that God saves sinners through his son. And then he says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power And then he says, for in it, the dio the righteousness of God, the holiness, the justice of God, not just in his nature that God is just and he is righteous, but in the saving act, in choosing to give us grace, God is displaying his righteousness. Because he didn't have to. He didn't make us and lose us, and now he has to have us back. He made us to display his righteousness through saving us from our own rebellion. That's the mystery of the gospel. That's what Paul's going to spend 11 chapters talking about. That's what we're going to jump into great like, like into the, the hard reality of in just a couple of minutes. So it is the diokosune... The righteousness of God, it is being revealed. Remember, we talked about how that was the Greek word apocalypte. It's the the title of the book of Revelation. That's why Revelation is called Revelation. Because it is God's future revealing of what is coming. The unveiling. So he's saying, God's righteousness is unveiled in the gospel. And then he goes on to say, and I I remember we talked about it, it is being unveiled from faith, for faith, and we talked about, we would already talked about faith, pastuo, but we talked about how these two little prepositions have, make a, it's a big deal, because what he's saying is, he's saying, ek, from, ek, that's from or out of faith, so out of the promises of God, out of what God has promised to do, and then he says, es which is into or for faith, he's saying, so out of the promises of God, comes the ability to even believe in the promises of God as he puts that faith into us. And then lastly, he says, For it is written, The one made righteous by faith shall live. So that's the Troyer translation. Just remember this, guys. Remember, remember this quote. Whatever the, when, Wherever the gospel is being proclaimed, the righteousness of God is being disclosed. Guys whether that's in Mexico or in your neighborhood or in your own home with your own family wherever the gospel the gospel is God's righteousness that makes it pretty important because I'm not sure we really deep down believe that honestly because I think we I think we would live very differently if, it, if we really believe, I think I would live very differently if I really believed that. Because I, I, how much does the gospel, the truth of, of, of just the majesty we spent a whole hour talking about last week, how does that inform and transform our conversations, even in this place on a Sunday, let alone throughout the week, in our homes, let alone in our places of work or school are places of politics like where does guys where like where is it really changing how we do I think we would we would live very differently we would share far more boldly I'm going to show you a video we hope thank you Josiah for hanging in there and fighting through it Josiah and Mark for I'm um, working on this um, it's a short video of a, of a it was filmed years ago it's a comedian, I use that term loosely, magician, his name is Penn Gillette. Very lost, at least he was then. I don't follow him. I would not Google him. Um, I don't, so I don't know where he is now. This was done years ago. But he, t- he tells a story, and this is just a one-minute clip of a longer story. He tells a story of um, how a gentleman who was in his audience at the show he would do in Vegas, which was a very foul show, walked up to him after, the service, or after his show and shared Jesus with him. And how everybody on his crew was like, oh boy, this dude is going to get blown away. And instead, he thanked him. And went about his business. He didn't come to Christ. But but here's why he thanked him. So if it works, let's take a look. Do you, hear, do you hear what he's saying? First of all, I'm just going to stop and pray for him. I have no idea if he's even still alive, but let me pray. Father, I, just, I come to you right now and I lift up that man. Um, I, I see even in that, in that self-made video of years ago, like this, he knows he needs you. And yet in his pride, he won't come. But I pray that if he still needs you, because he hasn't yet come to you, you would do your work in his life. And I want to pray for the people sitting in this room that are in that same situation. That today, as we continue to worship you in the Word, it would show each of us our need for the gospel. And it would show us your overwhelming willingness to give it. In Jesus' name, amen. Because you hear what he's saying? He's saying, guys, like, he's saying, how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them about Jesus? We're going to see in this passage today that we've gotten pretty good at that in the church, I think. And frankly, they were pretty good at that in the church in Paul's day, and that was 20 years into the church. So take a look at your talking points. Um, it's on the back of your um, training worksheet that we, that we give you in your bulletin. On the back, there's the first talking points question, and it says this. Do you believe the gospel, both sides? In other words, do you believe the gospel saves people into salvation and from hell? Because there's a, there's a teaching in the church today, guys, not this one, obviously, but there's a teaching in the church today that says, okay, I'll believe that God wants to get people into heaven, but I'm not going to believe in hell because I don't want God to be that way. Right? But without, guys, without that bad news, the good news isn't good. Right? And so we need to believe both sides of the gospel. If you don't, why not? I'm not asking you, to don't, don't raise your hand, don't say anything out loud. I'm asking you yourself, like, why don't you believe? Or maybe why don't you believe strongly enough, in light of even what this atheist was saying, to actually tell people the good news? What is it that's holding you back? Last week we talked about there are a lot of ways to outline the book of Romans, right? As we go through this series throughout this whole year, it's going to take us, we'll take a few breaks, we talked about how you can talk about the righteousness of God revealed, how it's applied, how it's fulfilled, how it unifies, and that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is why we need the gospel, what is the gospel, how do we get the gospel, like how do we get it applied to our lives, and then how do we live out the gospel, Ultimately, what we're doing in this series is we chunked out um, the book of Romans is we're spending the first couple of months now through basically the first of March, we're looking at the rejection of righteousness. So if the, if the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed, Paul's going to spend the first three chapters of this book going, guys, here's man's problem. We have rejected God's righteousness. And we're going to look at that today. In the context of Romans 1, 8 through 32. So if you would, open up your Bibles to Romans. Um, it's where we've been, or we, where we're going to be for a while. So pretty soon your Bible will fall open to it. And we're going to look at today, the, the title of today's message is, How Broken Are We? Like just like literally, like how, how broken is everything? How broken are you? How broken are we? How broken is the world? And the, the, the question we're looking at today gives away the answer. Because the question today is, why is the world completely broken? But I can ask that question and use a word like completely, and you're not really going to understand the complete depths of our completely brokenness until we look at this passage. And so what Paul is trying to make the point here in these, in these verses in Romans, he's trying to make the point that, that all people everywhere are completely broken because of the product of the fall. Because of what's happened to all of God's creation. And we're going to see that why is the world broken? It's because we have misplaced worship, we have misguided living, and we have misaligned mentality. And we're going to see those three things as we move through this pretty long passage rather quickly, certainly more quickly than we did the two verses last week. So let's look at when he says. Why is the world completely broken? The first thing is because we have misplaced worship. Look at what he says in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the righteousness of men. So he's saying, we are the wrath We are unrighteous. The wrath of God is being revealed in that unrighteousness who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Guys, remember this when we get to baptisms here in a few minutes. The brokenness of the world, the brokenness of you and I clouds or muddies the glory of God. You are an image bearer. Guys, each, each person who's ever lived, that dude, Penn Jillette, is an image bearer of God. But that image is marred. It's muddied. That's what our sin does. That's why God's wrath comes. Now look at verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived... Ever since the creation of the world, in the things that are made, so they are without excuse. Guys, what? for those of you that are in the training center, make your teacher proud. What is that called? Go ahead, Brandy. General, general revelation. What Paul is talking about here is the, is the theological concept of general revelation. He's saying God has revealed himself to the whole world through what was made. Guys, when we look at a building, we know there's a builder. When we look at a painting, we know there's a painter. When we look at a sculpture, we know there's a sculptor. When we look at creation, we know there's a... But we don't, do we? I didn't for the first 20-something years of my life. Guys, why is evolution so easy to believe? Because this, this is obviously a problem in Paul's day. Darwin didn't invent this idea of worshiping the created thing instead of the one who created it, right? But why? But but when the postmodern movement started, and Darwin and Marxism and all these things started to come up, why is it so easy to believe in evolution? Because you you get—that's exactly it, Scott. Because we are the center of the universe, then, and ultimately, that's at the heart of every sin problem you and I have. We want to be the center of the universe. And evolution is a very convenient way for, when I was an atheist, for for me to believe I am the center of my universe. Because I don't need God. Because I see how I could have come into being apart from God. That's the danger. That's how how clever the schemes of the enemy are. But ultimately, guys, we are all idol worshipers. What is our biggest idol? Idol. Self, the idol of self. So look at what he says in verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor God as, as God and give thanks to him. Again, that, that is at the heart, that sentence. They, although they knew God, they did not honor God as God. Is at the heart of every sin issue you and I face and everything we see in the world. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, man, that was so me. Pride I'm still I still struggle with pride. I was such a prideful punk. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Guys, that is idol worship. That that is What we do, we we try to find something else other than God to worship, because that's exactly how the enemy can't. Guys, think about this. It's just like what happened in the garden. Adam and Eve are walking in the presence of God, and even in that reality, the enemy is able to, to just start to hook onto their little. Hey, you know, you really want to be your own God, right? And and up and 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 everything went up in smoke right, in that moment, because we all want to be our own gods. Guys, it, it, idol worship is at the heart of every problem we have. So the second talking points question is, what are your idols? Again, I'm not going to ask you to say them out loud, but I do want you to think about them. I want you to think about what, like, what are your idols, What idols have you crafted in your own life that you don't even know you have? Cuz idols don't have to be a Kachina doll on your on your bookcase. They don't have to be a dream catcher thing on your wall. They don't have to be images of birds or what. Like guys, we have all kinds of idols. I'll let you in on one. My family is an idol of mine. I've confessed that before you guys often. Because anything that I put before my walk with God, before my obedience to him, before my desire to live entirely for him, is by definition an idol. So something as good and beautiful as a family can be an idol. So can our pursuit of material things. Career goals. Security. Safety. Comfort. Because this is what's wrong with the whole prepper Christian thing. First of all, what are you saving yourself for? Second of all, by definition, you, you you have screamed to the world, my life, my security is my idol. Right, And there's just no place for that in Christendom. There just isn't. All of the apostles died badly. Welcome to Christianity. And yet, man, we hold on to stuff that we don't even know we're holding on to so often. My 401k. I'm not even sure I know what that is. <laughs> the thing that I, that, like, is. Here, we've talked about this before I think You, want, parents you want to know what one of your kids idols is take it away from them and when they kick and scream you go that's an idol and the same works for us you want to know what your idol is let somebody take it away from you let God remove it from you and watch and see how you respond that's your idol guys I, I want you to stop and think about this for a minute before we move on to our next point we have idol worshiped the church here's what i here's what i mean by that man man if we could if we could just go back to those good old days of the 50s and 60s and 70s the billy Graham crusades and or maybe maybe for you it's the late 80s and early 90s and the promise keeper events and or maybe it's the late 90s and the 2000s and man we could just do that willow creek model and and man, just have these mega churches and we could just see like these, these things that are that that were man there's just Houses packed full, or like buildings packed full of just people raising their hands and praising God. And man, if we could just get back there because Christianity is losing, because the church is shrinking. Because what if all of that, what if everything we look back to as the good old days was just a bunch of idol worship? Not that good stuff didn't come from all of it, not that, not that God can't even use our idols for His glory. But what, guys, what if, what if making a bunch of churches that are a mile wide and an inch deep is just idol worship? Because we're building our kingdom instead of his kingdom. What if having a bunch of converts raise their hands and get wet because we can count the number of baptisms we have is just idol worship? Because we're all about numbers, buildings, rear ends in the seats, the amount of offering we get in. Because what if all of that is idol worship? Because I'll tell you what, all of that is idol worship. And yet we're sitting here, guys, I have three daughters, right? I, I, do, I do grieve sometimes. I worry. What kind of world are they going to grow up in? Then I have to remember a couple of things. One, God has them intentionally born in this place in this time. Guys, you were made for this moment, not for some other moment not for some other reality, not for some past history. You were made for today. God does not make mistakes. So what are you doing with it for his kingdom? And here's the second thing I have to remember. The world they grew up in, it will be much more clear and much easier for us to see what our idols are, what the, where the darkness is, and where the light is. Because in the parts of the world where that is true, the gospel is flourishing. That's the crazy part. The crazy part is the place where we feel like Christianity isn't working anymore is this place. Because we have created these idols that distract us from it. But in the, world, in the place where they don't have the, the luxury of those idols, the gospel is running rampant right now. So today, we're looking at, why is the world completely broken? One, we have misplaced worship. Second, we have misguided living. Look at what he says in verse 24. Therefore, so because of, remember, therefore, we ask what it's there for. Therefore, because they have have exchanged the glory of God for these other things, and we become idol worshipers, God... "...gave them over to the lusts in their hearts, to impurity, to dishonor their bodies among themselves." So by giving them over, that's just another way, he's going to use that term again, it's another way of him saying, God gave us what we wanted. "...because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen." That sentence is at the heart of the problem. It's the, guys, every time we want to sin, that is at the heart of our sin issue. We exchange the truth of God, who God is, what he's done, what his word says, for some lie that we want to believe. Guys, hear me, hear me. I, I know everybody's a little like in a fuzz today. I know it's the enemy. I'm just saying, hear this. When we say, when you're in, in, your, in your soul, you're like, I want, I want, I want, you are about to sin. It's just the way it is. One of my daughters... I won't tell you which one. Very bright young lady. When she started speaking before she was even a year old, she got really good at arguing. She was, oh, I was sitting trying to reason with her as I was trying to correct her. And her, her, her most favorite phrase was, and years later often still is, yeah, but. Yeah, but, Dad. Yeah, but, Guys, and I would say to her, every time the words yeah, but are about to come out of your mouth, just stop because you're about to sin. But here's the thing, as I'm telling her that over and over and over again over 20 something years of life, I'm telling I God, God is saying, "Thank you, Emma, for pointing out who it was." I I am hearing God say, "Doug, you ought to listen to your own voice." Cuz how many times do we say, "Yeah, but God, yeah, but God, I want." Yeah, but God, I want. Yeah, but God, that's exchanging the truth of God for a lie. So then he says, For this reason God gave them over, I'm in verse 26, to dishonorable passions. For, the, for women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women who were con- and, and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men, and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their errors. Guys, Paul is pointing out this bigger sin, and we've got a lot of kids in the room, so we're keeping this family friendly, this bigger sin of homosexuality, not because it's a big sin, but because it's clearly evident. It's It's a sin against the laws of nature. It's a sin against the laws of God. So he starts there, not because it's a biggie, but here's my fear. If I were to ask some of you that know some things about the Bible, what do you know, before we started going through Romans. What do you know about Romans 1? What is in Romans 1? Here are probably the two most common answers I would have gotten. Well, the, clearly the, the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17, and then these verses. Oh, that's where God tells us that homosexuality is wrong. That's not why that's in here. Now I'm going to back up a step and be really clear. The LGBTQ plus movement is Sin. Gender fluidity is wholly unbiblical. Homosexuality is wholly unbiblical. And the reason I want to back up a step and share that isn't because the world out there is, we all know the world is believing that. The, the one reason I want to back up a step and make sure that we're clear on it is because the church is starting to buy into it too. Right? The church is buying into, I mean, cr- Supposed Bible-believing churches are starting to say, it's okay to be gender-fluid. It's okay to have same-sex marriage. It's not okay. It is a sin. And it is invasive. And it is spreading. And it's why we need people to run for political office. Christians, guys, run for the school board. To keep this stuff out of our school system. Run for the city council. To keep this stuff out of our neighborhoods. Run for governor. We need a new one. He's leaving. But. If what we do is turn that argument. Which is absolutely biblical. That the LGBTQ stuff. Is wholly sinful. Into a. While those people are the problem, we have missed Paul's point. We have missed God's point. Those people don't need Jesus any more or less than you and I did or do. There are no bigger sins and lesser sins. There are just sins. And he's going to make that point for us in just a few minutes. But here's the last thing I'll say on this, on this subject and then we'll move on. When did Paul write this? 56, 58, 57 AD. Somewhere in there. 20 years after the church starts. Is this a new problem? Is what we're facing right now a new problem? Apparently not, because he wrote it 2,000 years ago. What if... What the church had done for those 2,000 years is just shown Jesus is a better way. Because what if what I did was just love my neighbor and stop asking the question of whether they deserve it or not? Because praise God, he doesn't ask that question of himself. Does Doug deserve my love? Because the answer is I don't. Guys, we are not going to shame a community of people into coming to faith in Christ. We're just not. And the church has failed miserably in this area. And guys, one of the things I am, I am very proud of you for is that when on the rare occasion that someone of that lifestyle over the 10 years we've been in church has walked in or somebody that maybe doesn't fit the typical mold maybe it's somebody that looks like that dude that was on the video and and i how you guys have actually run to them instead of run away from them has been a massive blessing most of them don't stick but it's not because of how they're treated by you it's because of what the gospel is saying to them and they want to reject it and that's between them and the lord so, so, we have a long way to go to. We are not perfect in this. But keep plugging along. Like, keep being who Christ has made you to be as a people. Look at your last talking points question. We'll move on to our last point and go into our time of um, response and baptisms. Um, it says, What lies... Have you come to believe? What piece of God's truth has Satan may be turned to get you to believe a lie that has made you far less useful for the mission? Now I want you to stop and think about what I was just talking about—not just the LGBTQ thing, but but our, how how we tend to think of those people, and maybe those people aren't your people, but maybe you have a different group of those people. Maybe for you it's the Muslims. Maybe for you it's the, I don't know what it is. But just whatever those people are to you, I want you to, in the light of that kind of thinking that we can all be guilty of, I want you to think about this and say, so what lies has the enemy convinced you of? Anybody brave enough to share something? That they won't change. That they won't change. That they're a lost cause. Because that's a lie from the pit of hell. How do I know? Because I was a God-mocking atheist for 20-something years. What, what am I doing up here? <laughs> like, seriously. You know what I'm doing? I'm evidencing a changed life by the power of the gospel. That's it. And if he can do that to me and he can do that to you, he can do that to anybody. Scott, did you stop That you're in the way. What do you mean by that? (laughs) That you're in everybody else's way. And that's... If you could hear the last one, it says that I'm not good enough. And that, isn't, that, is, a, that is a lie. Remember, we, and we've talked about that a little bit in, in sharing the gospel with people. That's a big lie that the, the enemy whispers, right? Is who are you to share? You're not good enough. I know what you did. I know what your sin struggles are, right? We, we got to denounce that. We got, and, we gotta, and, and not only denounce it, claim the cross of Christ on top of it, but then actually use it. What a great way to enter into a conversation with someone who's struggling with sin. Hey, guess who I am? I'm someone who's struggling with sin, but I have a Savior who loves me anyway, who knows every sin I've ever done and every sin I will ever do and chooses to love me completely, and he'll do the same thing for you. That's an avenue for the gospel. Okay, so one one other one I just want to point out I think that, the, again, that, um, and I saw this, so 15 years ago, I was in the public school system, um, it was longer than that, I guess, when I was at Sunrise Mountain High School just up the street, and we were, I saw, we saw God doing some just amazing stuff with Bible clubs, and, and, um, and just, yeah, k- kids getting saved, and it was, it was just really, it was an amazing time of ministry, um, as, as when I was in the school system, and And yet, um, what happened was we got a new administration at the school. They just had changed the whole administration. And the new administration that was at Sunrise Mountain was very anti-Bible Club. And so they started shutting things down little by little, as best as they could think they could get away with. And I had lots of people say to me, Doug, you need to sue them. Doug, you need to take them to court. Doug, you need to contact the Alliance Defending Freedom. Doug, you need to... Which we'd done in other times, in other seasons. And I just didn't feel like that was the way to go. So I just graciously kept saying, it's okay, Mike. If, if you don't want us to put the signs up, we won't put the signs up. It's all right. And little by little, the Lord just started intervening for us, and we were able to keep the club. He kept the club going. And here was the amazing testimony. Because I didn't step into the argument. Because that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to bait me into an argument with them. Because that's what the world does. Instead of stepping into that argument, I just stepped back and went, "Hey, it's okay. My God's big enough to deal with this. We can handle it. We're all right." Those same administrators, three years later, were going to the district office on our behalf. They were. They were. Yeah, seriously, give God glory for that. They. They were. When the when the district would get wind of something, but hey, wait, they can't do that. That same Mike that was in my face, telling me, "You have no business being on this." campus using several expletives while he did it was going to the district going they can't stop you they can't they can't stop this from happening how does that happen because one of the coaches for the football team that was adamantly against me got saved two years later and is now a pastor in Fountain Hills right (laughs) like like here's here's my point my point is, there, there is a time to stand up, but even when we stand up, do it with the love of Christ, lead with love, extend grace, Jesus, I've said this before, I'm, I'll probably keep saying this, the only people Jesus ever got mad at were the religious people, that's it. Just the, he didn't get mad at the Romans. The Romans were just doing what Romans do. Did he get mad at Pilate? He felt pity for Pilate. I believe that with everything in me. He got mad at the Pharisees. Don't be a Pharisee. But the church, we tend to breed Pharisees. Okay, so let's start to land this plane here with this last thing. So why is the world completely broken? One, we have misplaced worship Two. We have misguided living. The last thing is we have misaligned, a misaligned mentality. So look at this, where he says, in verse twenty-eight, it says, "And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over." There's that word, that phrase again. He gave us what we wanted to debase to a debased mind, so that we ought not do what to what. So that I'm sorry, so that, to do what ought not to be done. So God gave us what we wanted. Think of it this way: sin is God allowing us to do what we want. The gospel, grace, is God giving us what we need. right? That's the difference, and that's where Paul is going to get when we get into the rest of this letter. It says they were filled with all... Now get this. So for those of us that want to say Romans 1 is all about homosexuality, that's a couple of verses right there, and then look at this. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Very similar to our calling passage, the deeds of the flesh, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, They are gossips. Guys, I'll tell you right now, gossip has done more damage to the church than than homosexuality has ever done. Paul writes about it way more. Why? Because he was personally wounded a lot by gossips. What is gossip? Gossip is anytime you're talking about someone else, with someone else, not in the presence of the person you're talking about. Anything in that world is gossip. Then he says, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, fool. I mean, he's on a roll. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Guys, do you see what Paul's doing? We can sit and somebody asked me, well, are, you gonna, are you gonna talk about each one of those sins? I'm like, no, because that's not Paul's point in listing them. Paul's point in listing them is, okay, we, got, we, have, this, we have homosexuality, we have gossip, we have all these other sins. He's just leveling the playing field. What he's trying to do in, God, in, in chapter one, and, and and then into chapter two, and finally to make the final point in the, in chapter three is to say, guys, we're all sinners, Jew, Gentile. I don't care what, I don't care who you are, what you say, you believe. All the whole world is completely broken, is what Paul's telling us. Now, you don't believe me? Look at look at what he says. Verse 32, though they know God's righteous decree. What? You can almost convince yourself that he's talking about people that know nothing of special revelation. That's the word of God. Like God's speaking voice. As opposed to just creation, general revelation. If you're in the training center, you'd know that. If, uh, there's another plug. He says, though they know God's righteous decree, they know what God said. Not just who God is. They know what God said. And those that practice them will deserve to die. They not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 4. Though our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whom the God of this world has darkened the mind of the unbeliever. To keep them from seeing the glory of the gospel that is Jesus Christ. Why, does, why, why apart from Christ do we not see the brokenness? Because there is a real enemy and he has really darkened the minds of the unbeliever. And we need to be praying first and foremost, even as we enter into those relationships with people that those people that we maybe aren't comfortable with, we need to be praying that God would enlighten the spiritual eyes of their heart. So why is the world broken? Here's the answer, sin. Why is the world completely broken? The answer is sin. All of us, every one of us, in our, in, our, in our still not yet fully regenerate person, we still struggle with sin. But here, listen, 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 as a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have to. Do not keep blaming the brokenness of this world on your sin struggle. Do not keep blaming the brokenness of the world or Satan or a conference in Scottsdale or what, in your propensity to disobey God. If you are a spirit-filled, spirit-sealed believer, the gospel has given you the power not to sin. Do we often talk about here at Crosstrain that we still struggle with it? Absolutely, because there's still this part of us that's broken. And Paul's going to address this in great detail in this letter, but don't make the excuse that you have to, because you don't. You have a choice. Make godly ones. He's like, man, this this is a downer of a message. Like, seriously. Like, man, we're all sinners. Thanks a lot. I stink. Way to go. Let's get baptized. Okay. Well, first of all, no better message to have baptisms that we're going to go into in just a minute. But, guys, here's the thing it's sort of like one of those infomercials. But wait, there's more. So as the music team comes up, because they're going to do a song of response, and we're going to go into our time of baptism, I want everyone else to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read it, and we're going to pray, because guys, Paul says in Ephesians, in three chapters, what it takes him 11 chapters to say in Romans. So Ephesians is like the cliff note version of Romans. And in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, the but, wait, there's more, Paul says, he starts out where we've been all morning, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is, not at, that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. He's saying, because we were all those people once carrying out our desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath. Remember where we started today? Verse 18 of Romans 1. And the wrath of God was revealed. His just justice because of his righteousness was revealed. He says, we were children of the wrath just like the rest of mankind. All people, everywhere, have inherited, been polluted by, been muddied by the presence of sin. But then here are like two of the best words in the Bible, right? But God. Here's who you were. You were a train wreck. Most of us still feel like we are a train wreck. But God. God. rich in mercy because of his great love for us. Even when you were dead, made us alive. I wish I could read that and breathe in at the same time. Made us alive. Just breathe him in. Take a minute right now and just like literally, if you're his, just there you are. And your goodness, your grace, your mercy. For though we were dead in our trespasses, and sins, you made us alive together in Christ. For it is gra- by grace that we have been saved, by your grace, by your righteousness revealed, by your desire to save us. We have been saved. Not our own doing. We're no different than those people except for those two little words. But God, but you, you chose to save us. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of that. I pray that you would remind us of the goodness of your grace, of of the power of the gospel that is applied to our lives. Lord, I pray that that you would just have that ooze out of us, that over and over we would be washed with the renewing of our mind, that the mud and the filth and the dirt of this brokenness of this broken world that we still have to wrestle through and fight through and and get muddy in because it's just a dirty place. Lord, I pray that, that we would remember that the gospel washes us clean and we would come back and get cleansed repeatedly. We know that in your grand scheme, we are sanctified. We are completely seen as perfect by you. Already. And yet, we're still a work in progress. But but even Paul reminds us of that in Ephesians. That we, your children, your redeemed people, are your workmanship. That you saved for good works. for, For sharing your love in the power of the gospel. Lord, let our lives reveal your righteousness to a world that needs to see it. In Jesus' name, amen.